Meet me on the softer side. Meet me on the softer side. Softer side of your heart. Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our other. Six zero one one seven five, and don't forget, Skylight Books depends on listeners like you to help support us. So whether you're in our neighborhood or browsing online, buy a book or two to help ensure that we'll be around for a long, long time. Thanks and enjoy. Yeah, but right now we are here for this amazing Bukowski anthology, and to start us off, please welcome the publisher, Melanie. And the Emmy goes to uh, all of you. Thank you for coming. Uh, Good thing we're recording this. The Bukowski Anthology. Before we get started and I, I talk a little bit about this, I'd like to introduce a very important person in the Los Angeles community and I want to make sure I introduce him properly. He's going to say a few words about what he does. Uh, I think I remember what it said. Richard Shave is the co-founder of the Los Angeles co-founder of Esoteric Tours, right? And there's Kim. Kim is his wife, Kim Cooper. And Richard, please. Melanie, thank you. Thank you. Just uh, very excited about the Association is putting on at the end of next month, October 26th, about Char 6th, about Charles Bukowski. So you're going to put these flyers out, and I just wanted to uh, pull everyone's sleeve to that because they're very excited, and uh, it's it's been great to be involved in this anthology and all the, the great energy that you're bringing to it. So we, we hope to, I guess I'll just throw those yeah. down the aisle right now. Richard, could you say just a, a thing about the tours? A anything you want. You want me to talk about? Take a minute to tell about the Bukowski tour. Sure, okay. In the book. Sure. about Los Angeles, Raymond Chandler, Jamie Kane, John Fonte, Charles Bukowski, and, and so I, 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 I wrote a John Fonte bus tour, and I decided, well, if you write a John Fonte bus tour, you have to write a Charles Bukowski bus tour. So, so I did, and, and it was a lot of fun, and it became this great act of preservation surrounding the DeLong Prey. Uh, residence, which became historic cultural monument for the city of Los Angeles, number 912. Yeah, so that, uh, it's uh, only cultural land, only historic cultural monument in Los Angeles uh, for its cultural value alone. There's no architectural uh, significance to the structure. The 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 path to finding the voice that is great within you. Charles Bukowski's path to finding this voice within him that, that, is, that was great that he found in these, these 20, 30 years of just anonymity and pain and 
lots of other words I can't say on the microphone. But it's it's a it's it's a great tour. It's a lot. Los Angeles comes out of. I think bookshops and writers really help define Los Angeles and as, as, a, as a side effect help define the world because Los Angeles has been a cultural center for almost 100 years now. So, so thank you and I will, just, I will just pass some of these down if people want for the, for the salon at the Los Angeles Melanie, God bless you, will be there. So it'll be a lot of fun. Thank you, and thank you for coming. This is good job. Good job. Thank you. Okay. The tour is wonderful. I would highly recommend it to, to anyone and everyone. Um, and it's, I write about it in the book. Um, and there's information about how to take it. Okay, well, we started out, uh, we're going to do one chapter in a, what we called our summer anthology because Bukowski's birthday is August 16th, as most of you know. And we got so many submissions that we thought, well, maybe we'll make a whole anthology dedicated to Bukowski. This is a four, the fourth anthology we put out since last November. So we, we do themed anthologies. Bukowski.net and, and got quite a few people there um, and so many people were uh, helpful and instrumental in bringing others. Um, Joan Job Smith is one of the contributing editors she's going to read today. She, her poetry is in the and her other work is in the collection. S.A. Griffin wherever he, he is. He was another uh, contributing editor brought people in. He's going to read today his work and Scott Wanberg's work is, is in uh, the book. And just about anybody and everybody who's Bukowski related is in, is in here. Here the names are on the back. You can check it out. 79 people uh, all together from around the world. Artists, poets, writers. I was sending out books yesterday I, I, and I, I was just amazed. I'm sending out books to France, to Italy, to Spain, to Germany, to Austria, to Scotland, to the United Kingdom. Charles Bukowski, and they—I don't—I can't think of any other writer who who could have inspired. Would do because people ask me, well, why did you do it? Um, I do live in the neighborhood, and so did Bukowski, but that's not really the only reason. And I'm sort of a, a transplant from Chicago, so I've not—I can't really say I'm a Angelino either. But I do love Bukowski, and. Um, I wanted to find a way to let everybody else who misses Bukowski um, share their thoughts and feelings. I wanted to read real briefly my introduction to the book. Uh, it's only a couple of paragraphs, I promise, and then we'll get started to kind of give you some insight into why we did this in the first place. So I'm going to change my glasses so I can actually see. And it comes down to this. We miss Charles Bukowski. We felt better knowing he was around somewhere. East Hollywood, San Pedro, or place or places unknown. 
Almost 20 years after Bukowski's passing, people continue to feel his presence, not just in his words, but in his spirit. If I try to narrow down the essence of Bukowski's going on it's okay they'll get through it learn from it and if they're lucky turn it into a story the point of this collection is to put our collective thoughts feelings and impressions together share our story Whenever we feel the pang of Bukowski's absence, we can pick up this book and connect with others who feel the same way. In this volume, we've collected poetry, essays, memoirs, short stories, vignettes, book excerpts, biographies, fantasies, satires, parodies, quips, quotes, homages, and other writing about Charles Bukowski, plus portraits of the author from over 75 writers and artists around the world in a celebration of the man who meant something special to so many. And my deepest appreciation to our contributors, Suzanne Lummis, David Roscos, Joan Job Smith, and Eddie Woods, who were instrumental in bringing fellow. I can think of no other author who has affected so many people on such a deep personal level. Why do we care so much about Charles Bukowski? Some of the reasons are inside these pages. Enjoy. And then I end with a quote from Bukowski from Factotum. That was all a man needed, hope. It was lack of hope that discouraged a man. And he has given all of us a great deal of hope. Thank you. Now I'd like to introduce uh, Joan. And I'm, I want to make sure I introduce people properly, so I'm going to read that. Joan Job Smith is the founding editor of Pearl and Bukowski Review. She has published 25 books, most recently from Silver Birch Press, that's our press, Charles Bukowski, Epic Glottis, His Art and His Women, a lighthearted literary profile with recollections of her decade-long friendship with Charles Welcome. inspiration to put out this wonderful anthology, end-all, be-all anthology. Uh, Bukowski lovers that I've known for about 20-30 years and I fell in love with his work many years ago when I was a student at Cal State Long Beach in the 70s and I got to be friends with him for about 10 years and it was really really quite an experience. <laughs> you know got plenty of those but eventually you know we need them too because they're creating Uh, first, my poem, which is a grief poem that I wrote the day Bukowski died, and then I'm going to be reading from other uh, writers, really good writers in here, and Melanie has really uh, garnered herself a, a 
path full of good, good writers. And my poem's on page 236, if any of you have the book. And it's called Eggs Over Easy. And Bukowski died March 9th, uh, 1994. And I haven't ever read this aloud, so I'm sure I'm gonna be a little affected by it. But uh, if I cry, they're real tears. I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, trying to win any Emmy Awards today. <laughs> eggs over easy. I was frying eggs over easy when I heard Bukowski had died, and suddenly the yolks came alive, grew to the size of heavyweight golden gloves, smashing my spatula and jaw, while the kitchen swelled, shut around me like a big blackened eye. Bukowski's obit was in the Thursday newspaper, my favorite section of the week for The supermarket ads this week, St. Pat's Day specials, corned beef for 89 cents. Come to know his mojo poetry, as well as the backs of our hearts, where mana and mortality are stored. We'd wanted him to live to be 400. After all, he was 200 at age 30. He was supposed to keep telling it like it is forever, be our poet man. death seldom and eyes of March or hemlock time, for which you can set your In one hand, a bundle of darkness that accumulates each day. The eggs were over easy. The eggs over easy were the coldest I ever ate. A March ninth wind blowing in through the window, turning them to ice. Oh, and it's, it still hurts. I, I, I miss them. It's what we miss is the, the new stuff. The old stuff is good, and we can read it again and again, and all the younger generations can relive and, and learn them all. was my closest with him, talking long distance on the phone to him. I told him, Bukowski, you are the, someday you're going to be the greatest poet in the world. He said, I already am. <laughs> Had a lot of confidence. I really like to imitate him. Was that a corny one? Well, I, I'm only a woman, so I do my best. He used to call me Joan, Joan Smith. Okay, that's pretty there and I really like him. I like the smiling Bukowski and he smiled a lot and that's how I remember him. So I'm going to read from this marvelous anthology and the first poem I'm reading is on page 78 and it's by Harry Calhoun and these are some of the best poems I've ever read by about Bukowski. Bukowski grooves and that
sliding into gaps between paper plates beneath the blankets and sheet and nothing in the light and the night except slips in to a poetry, a Bukowski poem. And there is nothing, a certain nothing in the air. The French would call it je ne sais quoi. perfect and hurting like the best blues man. Rene Dietrich, 185. I forgot, Kim. I'm to censor the, for Rene's profanity. What should I? It's just on the Noelle, what should I? <laughs> okay, Rene Dietrich. Now she's one, one, one uh, feisty girl. I know her. Okay, you know Renee? All right, you know. Okay, she's a former stripper, so if this is her language, it's not mine. Okay. Bukowski was an asshole. Bukowski was an asshole. That's one of the reasons I love him. If I'd known him, I would have hated him too. Sure. He played it up sometimes. He was a barfly. I have the f I love the film clips. B and W. He's driving the beat up old bug. The windshield is smashed in. The dashboard is taped together. A door hangs by a hinge. But Bukowski coaxes the engine to purr, and they drive along Hollywood near Vine. Hank and the guy with a giant camera. That dirty old man was his close up. He is wearing a grin, smoking and drunk, and he starts getting philosophical. What I love is how he didn't rehearse. It came, it rolled. Baby, it was beautiful. Sometimes I don't agree with a word, he says. Others I recognize. Well, it's all bullshit. In later clips, there's a color. Big brother arrived late. Bukowski is gone. I want to join him, a bottle of blackberry alone. I watched the last footage caught. Bukowski is still pretty shit-faced. Like 108 years old. But he's majestic. He roars, bares his teeth, kicks his Because he's being an asshole. It's an ugly moment, a marriage. It's what you remember after it ends. Bukowski was an asshole, yes. I turned, yet I turned to his words. They're still alive, and I guess it's been a very long time. I've gone to him for courage, which I need to Bukowski gave her permission to write life, which is raw and ugly for girls, even worse for women. But we ride it out in a beater, a bike, a BMW. What else can one do? We don't hope for the best. We will only be disappointed. After all, in our, our way, and, a, and, and, and if nothing else, we are the daughters of Bukowski. He taught us about life. He told us stories before bed. He said, tell yours true. You are you. Sorry, kid. That's how it tumbles.
face down in a puddle of vomit. As usual, they're wrong. He rose, and that counts. When you are poor and scarred, when you are nobody or less, I know. Sure, Bukowski was an asshole, but if he were here, I'd stroke what was left of his hair. For girls, he'll never know he had. This is five. <laughs> Hear that, Bukowski? They love you. And he likes, he likes that Renee wrote that. He just told me that. I'm lying, you know that. <laughs> Heather, I'm just, you know, hamming it up here. <laughs> On page 20, Heather Minette, or Minette, Minette, in French, it would be Minette. Dirty books, I learned the hard way that a 17-year-old girl should never mention to her father the name of her favorite author just in case her father has read Bukowski too. <laughs> On page 20, 200, Linda King. And Linda King I've known for a long time. I met her before I met Bukowski. And she was Bukowski's girlfriend when I met him. Met meanness. I loved your sarcasm. I loved your wit. I loved your punishment. I loved your deep voice. I loved you sleeping beside me. I loved your confidence. I loved how you loved yourself. I loved your poetry. I loved writing with you, acting with you. I loved, I loved, I loved, I was the one who loved. And here's a poem by Joan Ganny, the photographer. And she lives in the Netherlands. Propaganda hasn't prepared me for this poetic moment encounter. disjointed obscenities, their childish taunts, a rhythm of urban angst. When he chose not to react, he sealed the bargain. The crowd was restless, almost disappointed when no blood was shed. He remarked later that some people might figure that he brought them off about that. Page 184. This is written by Pamela Cupcakes Wood, who is also uh, named Scarlet by Charles Bukowski. And he wrote a, a beautiful velvet-covered uh, private collection of love poems to her. Many of them appear in Women, which I probably, the book Women, no, Love Dog from Hell. It might be for sale here.
tremendous guilt about your bluebird. I swear, I thought the cage door was secure before I let the cat in. <laughs> Suzuki Limbu on 166. Intoxication. My Friday nights are reserved for one, but my bed. down your whiskey hard with a bitter etching on the back of your throat I swallow your and Paul Farrakano the three stooges meet Charles Bukowski in heaven Three Stooges poems. The day is like any other day in paradise where angels hang out on street corners in between gigs, smoking filtered cigarettes, drinking ginger ale, and swapping stories about the Son of Man. Everyone has an eye fixed on Jesus. He's on his knees in an alley shooting dice with the Three Stooges. And the poor bastards are losing their shirts and their pants. The savior of the world is on fire. In flowing red robe, he rattles the bones in his hand, brings them to his ear, shakes them like the second coming, and blows, them on, and blows on them once for luck. He arcs his fist before release and shouts, Come on, mama, baby needs a new pair of shoes. Then tosses them with the same force his father summoned to create the Milky Way. When he flashes that wide resurrection smile, the one he showed the Romans right before they nailed him, he scoops up his winnings with a wink and a nod, and everyone knows the Lamb of God is on a roll. The Stooges are victims of divine intervention. They make the sign of the cross, and Jesus smiles. I like you guys, he says. It's Charles Bukowski. He shifts his weight like a man itching, itching to start something. He would have, he could have. Bukowski hesitates too. He watches their fingers closely, remembering what it's like to almost lose an eye in a pie fight. God, I'm seeing the Three Stooges right now. Their mutual mistrust creates. His head. It's a small miracle, nothing great like changing a commercial for Dodge trucks. who clearly isn't wearing underpants. <laughs> and he, he's a sweet man. And Bukowski, that was published, I do believe, in, in Wormwood Review, and it, uh, it inspired Bukowski to write Paul Farrakhan a, a letter about that poem, how much he liked it. 
This is my last poem from what I'm going to read today, and I thank you for listening to me. Uh, Faltering poem. Uh, this is by A.D. Winans, and he was very good friends with Bukowski for years and published them very much in Second Coming, series of uh, books he did in the 70s. And this is poem for Bukowski inspired by Jack Michelin. He's the original The enemies, he frustrates his friends, he writes poems in the shithouses of America. He writes poems in the ballet of his sleep. He writes Harold Norris get-well cards. All he is, folks, is the best damn show in town. Holy priest, G Kurt circus clown, the best act around. He's a Roman sonnet. He's an Irish ballad. He's the best tossed salad in town. He has the face of a moon crater, the stomach of a wheelbarrow, the heart of a whore, which is more than you could say for 90% of the heavyweight champion of Los Angeles. He's the chaplain of San Pedro. He's stalked by the minor poets of San Francisco and LA and the soft-boiled egg eaters of the Cafe Trieste. He's a rainbow of watercolors mixed in with one too many Sunday morning Bloody Marys. He, he loves boxing. He loves his daughter. He loves his woman. He's the best relief pitcher in town. He's an antique book and a broken-down hotel. Tell he's a bottle of aspirin and an empty water glass. He writes Harold Norris. Get here's number two. <laughs> thank you for coming. And thank you, Melanie. This is great. Thank you. Thank you, Joan. Great. Thank you. Now I'd like to um, introduce, I'm honored to introduce our, another featured reader, Fred Voss. Fred Voss has been a machinist working in steel mills and factories for 35 years. He has published three books of poetry of the working life with the UK's Blood Axe books, the latest of which, Hammers and Hearts of the Gods, was named a Book of the Year 2009 by the UK's leading socialist newspaper, The Morning Star. Please welcome Fred Voss. Thank you. More people than I than were here when I last looked around. It's good to see you. Good to So um Yeah, when he died, I, I remember uh collapsed and I finally got a job in a furniture factory on uh, in uh, Gardena across from those card casinos so I was pulling into the gravel parking lot and it was still kind of dark like 6 a.m. and uh, opened the paper and there it was on the front you know Charles Bukowski dead so that was kind of a big thing and um, so anyway, the, the next weekend, I, I uh, 
I was going to, I was taking a bath, so I took a piece of paper with me and I wrote this uh, elegy, elegy for a giant. And, uh, This kind of goes back like 30, 40 years to my, to my dark days when I, Bukowski helped me out. <clears throat> Elegy for a giant. Nights up smoking cheap cigars and drinking cheap booze, getting gloriously drunk and enlightened with Bukowski all night, reading everything the erections, ejaculations, exhibitions, and general tales of ordinary madness, the crucifix in a death hand, all the poetry and prose, and that picture of him hanging onto that boxcar ladder. It was magic, and it changed me, and I was never the same. And though I went to PhD graduate school at UCLA for a year, I quickly dropped out and found myself filling up a boarding house room It was worth it, knowing it was right, as I read, burning in water, drowning in flame. And something he'd given me made me burn inside as I suffered and made it on, not even knowing that I would be a writer, just that I was doing what I had to do and that it was right. Days and nights of steel dust and furnaces and a burned up mattress. at the start of women. Still I held on with nothing but his go on. Bukowski leading me through suicide, madness, and bikers, and women who threw me down into the hard asphalt of their rejection. Without my own poem, without my own voice, I had Bukowski, somehow leading me out of the darkness and toward the light, of finally finding my own voice and my died. Yet, I look at my bookshelf, 40 Bukowski books wide, and realize that that light can only really get brighter and brighter, and that I will have it always. <clears throat> Thank you. other poets, some I, I know through the mail, and uh, I don't know if I've met any of them, but I know who they are. Uh, first one is by Dirk Velvet, Breathing Bukowski. He used the smallest words he could find to tell his tales. He knew that the large ones could get stuck going in and never come out. He knew what we all needed to live, to breathe, 
in and out. William Barker, The Death of Charles Bukowski. Nineteen years ago, our world lost a mountain. The skyline I'm trying to read them slow. But his reputation preceded him. Campus police guarded the doors. The written word can be dangerous, you know. Everything would flow. What a show. From the stairwell he stood, never looking up. Savages of the life he had known and the seeds he had sown. He read matter-of-factly. Laughter permeated the air. He didn't care. He sipped his beer between sentences. As he finished the page, he tossed it on the floor. Several pages were scattered about. The words lay in repose. He was loaded, and so were we, but in a different way. Raunchy verse from a man who had lived in flop houses with wine oats. Ninety-three? Ninety-two. Ninety-two. Great. She just, I don't know, it was in the newspaper uh, in February. Adrian Manning, religion. They come to the door, peddling their manifestos and offering their reading material. I am not interested, I tell them. I worship at the Church of Bukowski, and I have plenty to read. They look confused. They don't understand. But you do, don't you? I like that one. <clears throat> or all of them. Uh, Catfish, Catfish McDerris. Out of the Mouth of Babes. When my kid was eight, she got published with Bukowski. She used to tell people she was related to me by marriage. I was married to her mom. I worked at the post office in Milwaukee, near the gay district. The in place seemed to be a bar called the Ball Game, with a big ball winking one. Uh, Michael O'Brien, verse 56, Old Man in the Rain. Got a copy of Bukowski from the library. Nice, hard cover edition. 
nicer than any of the ones I'd ever shelled out cash for. Just notice that the red dye from the binding has bled out a bit onto the inside of the dust jacket. Makes me imagine that somebody along the line And this is the last one by Mark Terrell, The Art of Victory. Track past rows of cars shimmering in the brassy California sun. Bukowski is 90 bucks ahead today. He roars out onto the freeway, slips over. For the time being, he is beyond poetry, beyond women. And we all know as existence. He grins sublimely, focused on the hard, glittering diamond of fortune, like a Zen monk tuning in to the true meaning of life, which is essentially the same. Thank you, that was wonderful. Thank you again, Joan. Now I'd like to introduce S.A. Griffin, a longtime a neighborhood resident who loves Los Angeles and is very proud and honored to be included in the book with so many world-class heavies. S.A. <laughs> no, when I, uh, it wasn't when I got the book, when, when you sent me the link to the online thing with all the names, I went, oh my God. No, it's uh, for you who have never edited and published a book before, it's like it is, the analogy is. Dealing with all the people who hate you because you don't publish them. <laughs> oh, you're dealing with the people that you do publish that hate. If you, if you really do appreciate Charles Bukowski, you're going to really be pleased because she's got them all in here. That's pretty cool. Uh, I, I'm honored and great respect. That's a hell of a lot of work. So I'm going to read, it uh, looks like I'm reading seven pieces. And uh, I'm going to try to do them in some kind of order here. And I either know most of these people or I've communicated with them or whatever, and they're from around the world actually, so it's kind of cool. I'm reading two pairs of glasses because I'm too cheap and lazy to get the glasses I need. This is for you, Henry. Mark Erickson, Around Hollywood. On my last day,
Before I knew it, I was on the boulevard tooling towards Highland when I spotted an old light-colored 1960s Volkswagen up ahead, a block or so. I decided to catch up with it. Away. The Volks was weaving in and out of traffic. The guy knew what he was doing. Every time I was almost close enough to see who was driving, he sped up and caught a light and bolted ahead, seemingly fluidly being a part of the road. Then he, looked a then he hooked a fast left. I hit the turn soon after, bounced over the curb and slowed down, and there was the bug parked, but no one inside. How could it be? The ghost had flown the coop. I looked up and down the sidewalk, not a soul walking. Chance. As I passed a half dozen car links in my rearview mirror, I saw a head pop up in the driver's seat, and the Volks lurched out of the space, spun quickly into the lane, and made a fast use. I forgot if you're in your hymnals following along. <laughs> this is. poem was written by the. the okay, um, beautiful too, it's nice. Page 140, Henry Denander, and Henry uh, is from. scene for many many people does a very nice job really good stuff he's a great writer too Henry Denander Hollywood in the hospital library I had a really painful problem with the kid to read, I found three shelves of library books at the far end of the corridor. There were a lot of adventure novels, romance books, and religious stuff, but at last I found two books that were acceptable. But when I returned to my room, today I was moved to a department where they specialize in problems with kidneys and those parts of our bodily Perhaps it's not so strange. People who love Bukowski also love to drink beer, and if they drink too much, they will have problems with their kidneys and they will end up here in this department. <laughs> this is how they thought when they ordered this book for the library. I am sure. Page 238. And this one's by myself. And when I wrote this, the Huntington, Li Huntington Library is going through a big change right now. They're tearing the building down and reorganizing. And in the old reading room, the permanent exhibit hall, which will be coming back, uh, when I the reference, and it was that way for a very long time, but we'll see what happens when they bring it back. So this is by myself, Blowtorch on a Pig. I made a pact with myself to never write anything Bukowski again. 
Then comes this via the Pony Express of my computer. Would you like to send unpublished poetry? Them talk shit about women, writing, or the track. Never laughed it up at one of his infamous Hollywood shindigs. Never pressed that flesh. More than once over the years, I'd walk into Baroque books and Red would say, Kid, tomorrow at Musso's, noon, be there. Okay, Red, see you then. I had nothing to offer but nerves, which of course always got the better of me. West Hollywood. Bukowski stood before us, cased the room. I don't smoke weed, man. People who smoke pot are just fucking idiots. They do nothing. They read Zap comics and watch too much TV. It slows you down, man. Takes the edge off. It's a dull way to go. <laughs> With steady grace, he raises the green bottle in his fist and pulls on it. This, he slaps it, is something. His face relaxing into a generous grin that lights the room and captures everything. Bukowski chuckles. A bluebird circles overhead. Makes me feel like the gods are smiling down on me, like maybe I've got half a chance coming out of the gates. He fixes a sober gaze upon the audience, shifts his weight a bit like an old prize fighter. Okay, okay. I've talked enough. Enjoy the movie. And he and his beer are gone. 22 years later, in a few miles west of Santa Anita, just past the long green money and kept lawns of San Marino, Charles Bukowski smiles across the main ex exhibition hall of the Huntington Library at William Shakespeare under glass. Hank, dead center of the century, as pools of splashing laughter erupt from the suburbs, as the advancing city sings a strange fire that never dies, as I promise you, this will never happen again. And there's another piece in here I wrote called The Next Bukowski, and that's really the point of it, if you read it. it will The world's ready. <laughs> this is by Steve Richmond, who was a very close friend of uh, Charles Bukowski's. Chapter six. It's about this. Oh, I'm sorry. Page seventy-three. Sorry for you guys who are following along. Okay. mailed him three months earlier. He starts reading the very first poem. I tore my nails into my stomach, ripping a hole big enough to put my hand into me with blind fingers, feeling between intestines and liver for the flower of me, until I found it pulling it out, holding it in my bloody right hand until my left hand got hold of my soul, and I took the two and smashed them together until they became a solid piece of total beauty for me to throw with all my strength into the stars. I'm watching close as he reads it through. 
He seems not to be hurting at all, so I feel it's all working nicely. And then he gets to the last word, and he suddenly goes, Oh, shit! It was going fine right up to that last word. Stars! Oh, it's too damn bad! What a shame! I was asking myself, what? What the hell does he mean, stars? What's wrong with stars? Nobody's ever said anything bad about stars to me in my life. Oh. <laughs> Bukowski spoke on. Stars is so goddamn ultra-poetic. You can't use stars. Stars, stars, fuck the goddamn stars. Ruined all the damn dead false sewing circle poets are forever writing stars, stars, stars. They can't write a line about without stars in it somewhere. Oh, I'm sorry. The thousand copies were already printed and half the run was already distributed and there wasn't any chance I could recall every copy and have Tasmania Press change the last word of the first poem to some word, any word other than stars. Now it's July 11th, 1994, and it's been 29 years since Hank tore his lion's claws into my use of stars. And I've never used the word stars, or stars, or stars, even once since. Since 10 minutes after I met Charles Bukowski face to face. <laughs> Page 250. Swimming with Bukowski. He looks, lo he looks up from swimming laps, waves me into the water, puts his arm around my waist, and we swim like upright frogs. His backyard pool meanders through palm trees, overlooks San Pedro. Pool's more than 50 feet long, girl. What do you think of that? His breath is a rosemary cloud, not the mothballs I'd expected. His skin is soft and clear again, as sleek as water-smooth stone. Inside the house, John Martin speaks to the dark-haired woman who'll soon be in charge. In front, a white-stretched limo waits to drive Hank over the bridge to the other side of the harbor. Thank you, thank you. Please hold your applause along with everything else. Hold the line, hold the phone, hold up the bank, hold. This is by Ross Runfola, a lawyer back east who actually sold off. He had to deal. Ross Runfola, if you're listening, Ross, hello. Hello to Cleaned out. I live in respectable chaos in my house. The respectable chaos has grown to be my best friend after my collection of Charles Buchanan. up every morning until Mary moves in and decides to tame the wild beast in me in my house. Mary's first project is scrubbing, disinfecting, and lobotomizing the bathroom until I am reluctant to puncture the pristine look of the newly created bathroom museum by using a toilet. 
The kitchen is soon fit for everything but eating, since Mary constantly complains that I am prone to leave peanut butter prints and a beer bottle or six in the kitchen. I now retreat to my office to eat and drink alone. I draw the line when Mary preaches, my Bukowski room is a waste of space in my Bukowski and picking up after myself to keep what's left of the uncomfortable peace between us. When it rains, the new roof leaks, causing the ceilings to collapse. <laughs> the first room I run into is not the bedroom to check on Mary's safety, but the Bukowski room to check on my true love, my Bukowski collection. Mary, being a Bukowski, collect Bukowski and write vulgar poetry like Bukowski. I've had it. It's either me or ever lectures me about the secret of loading the dishwasher properly. I choose life. I choose. I'm going to bring it home, um, and like Joan was saying earlier, I tend to be a very emotional person, and, and uh, this is my, by my best pal, Scott Warmberg, who passed away a few years ago, and I thought I'd read this last because of Come on down the stairs now, come barefoot and let us hear you sing for days, for hours, for months, for seconds. The heavy hitters have been standing bareheaded in the weather, making bets that you won't make it all the way down the stairs. Those heavy hitters claim you can't manage. There was nothing but a big, large hole in the system. Come on down all the stuff. The heavy hitters are getting tired from trying to prove they can hold so much weight. Sometimes, frankly, it's okay to be wispy and float through the clouds of ongoing. The heavy hitters become vulnerable, lose their place in the big line of importance. Someone call out for a clarifying. Someone call out for edible food. You come down the stairs barefoot and begin to sing and dance and bust. All the shades that thrive there as the hot sun of ego attempts to melt you into the sidewalk as you go outside to be yourself in the moment. The heavy hitters have melted into spring water, but here it is. Help me to find my way through the maze. that Mr. Bukowski would probably be very upset about because it's a sign of the times. There at Cahuenga Boulevard, just south of Hollywood, there at Las Palmas, just south of Hollywood Boulevard. If you take note, uh, World Book of News is closing up. The one on Las Palmas is shut down. The one on Cahuenga is half shut down. The magazines and the, and the uh, newspapers are shut down. The little stores open. The point being, 
support independent bookstores, support independent publishers, support literature. Um, and I'm seriously, if you really are into Bukowski and you want to read what other people think, buy this book. It's really a great book and an incredible collection. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Skylight Books. for coming. Uh, we would like, of course, to support Skylight Books. Uh, if you purchase a book, we appreciate it. And uh, we will have signings, and it will become a Bukowski collector's item. But well, on, the, on what he's talking about, on the corner of Hollywood and Western, I believe, the hamburger stand where he used to go, and then his dirty bookstore. All the dirty bookstores yeah. are gone, man. Yeah. And yeah. then, <laughs> that's a question. And it seems to be met with a difference the Phillips Hotel on the corner of Beverly and Vermont, which is the Barclay Hotel where Jim Cooney was. The room's still well, there. Richard's doing a lot with this historic preservation, and he's the expert. You should talk to. Uh, well, somebody Richard. should because it yeah. seems to be totally different from Block 212. I know it's it, it's a shame. They say uh, L.A. erases itself constantly. Is there? Is it owned by the Scientology? Are we going to set up a? I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Time is it? Five six fifteen. Thank you all very much for coming. Please give all the readers a great hand. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Fragile Gang. You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, and the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.